How you guys doing? Uh, I'm Alvin. I'm lead pastor here at Nashville Life. Um, we were going to announce, uh, we've got a very special day on June the 6th. It's our special giving Sunday. Uh, we are raising money for our new building that we are moving into, uh, hopefully by next month. I feel like every time I have a date, something seems to push it back, um, which is a little frustrating for me, but God is teaching me patience through this process, but uh, it's just, I guess, the nature of construction. But anyway, we are going to still give and, and raise. We set a goal last year to raise uh, $1.9 million to cover all the renovation of this old church that we've been renovating uh, all year long, and we want to raise it by the end of this year. We are currently just under $450,000 from your giving, from your giving and other special partners outside who've been given to the church. It's amazing. Uh, we're setting a goal June 6th. Uh, we want to raise another $300,000, so we're asking for everyone to give sacrificially. I truly believe with the blessings that's in this house, if everybody really shot for a sacrificial gift, we will exceed that goal. We did it last time we set the goal, November 1st. I believe we can do it again. Um, so please uh, just pray now, and if, if, the, if the amount that you get after you pray is an amount that hurts, then you're probably hearing from God because we want it to be sacrificial and sacrifice, sacrifice isn't sacrifice unless it, unless it really costs you something. So we're asking for all of you all to put that forward towards the uh, building on June the 6th. And uh, I can't wait to see what we do together as a group. But we're going to get right into the message. Uh, we are in the third, third week of our series, we're calling it Fight Forward. And before we get into the message, I'm going to ask us to do our declaration together. So repeat these words after me. You'll see them on the screen. Uh, say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. The more I give life, the more I'll receive the more I live life, the more I'll believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, we're about to get into the word. All right, today, well, this month really, I feel like it's a very prophetic month. It's a very optimistic month. Uh, I, I, I can't help but sense, maybe because it's the new building, maybe because all the stories that are happening from within the church and your personal lives that I'm hearing about, I just believe that this is a time of a lot of momentum. I sense it, uh, and I, I don't have to just depend on my feelings because momentum is actually scriptural. There's a momentum that's a part of the church that, that Jesus planted with the church, and so we don't have to just depend on that gut feeling or our emotions or even the, the testimonies that are happening. Even if the amazing testimonies weren't happening in this church, I still would say according to the word of God, there is a built-in momentum in this church, and I know that because of the spoken and the written word of God, and I, I just really want to stress that, guys, even if the stories weren't happening, even if the... Uh, the, the, the vibes and the goosebumps weren't being felt. Simply because of the word of God, we can stand on the truth that this church is advancing. It's advancing because it's Jesus's church. He planted this, he built this, and he's going to be faithful to see it go as far as he wants it to go. Uh, the scripture that we're pulling from for this scripture, the reason why I can say this with the amount of confidence that I have is because it's in the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, I can be confident, so confident about this. It says Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. It says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus says this is his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So this is the origin of the church. We see from jump three reasons why we can be very confident as members of the church of Jesus Christ. The first reason is the church's builder is Jesus. And everything he does, he does it well. So whatever he builds, he's building it good. Uh, number two, the church's foundation is a rock, so it's sturdy. It can endure the worst storms. It can endure the toughest years, 2020. It can endure it. And then number three, 
The church's strength is stronger than the gates of hell. Stronger than the gates of hell. These are three things that we pull just from that scripture alone. Jesus is the builder of the church. It's built on the rock, and it's stronger than the gates of hell. So as church members, you can go to sleep very well at night. You can walk through your day confident because you are a part of something that is built by Jesus, that is sitting, that is built on the rock, and is stronger than the gates of hell. That's pretty strong. So when Jesus talks about the gates of hell, that's an indication that there is an enemy against the church. There is a resistance that comes with the church. And this month is educating or reminding us about that resistance and equipping us and teaching us how to handle that resistance. So when I talk about the enemy, who is the enemy of the church? Before I tell you who the enemy is, I want to make it very clear who the enemy is not. And the enemy is not people. The enemy is not a person. I don't care how much you don't like the person. I don't care how much that person doesn't like you. The enemy of the church is not the atheist. The enemy against the church is not the person who doesn't believe in Jesus and has a different religion. The enemy against the church is not the liberal. The enemy against the church is not the conservative. The enemy against the church is no person. And we know this, again, not because of my feelings, not because of just that sense that I have, because I just feel it. It's because Scripture says who it is. The Scripture says that we war not against flesh and blood. It makes it very clear that our enemy that we have against our church, against our church or against the church is not flesh and blood, but it's spiritual wickedness. It's spiritual powers in the unseen world. It's, it's the devil and his team of spirits. Now, are people sometimes used as his instruments? Absolutely. Do we sometimes choose to cooperate with Satan? Absolutely. But regardless of the fact people are not the enemy, Satan and his demons are. Okay? And it's very important that as the church we are not... Uh, naive of these things. I don't believe that we should live lives centered around this truth, but I also think it's equally dangerous to be ignorant of this truth. We're not supposed to be afraid of the devil, but we're also not supposed to be naive of the devil either. And there's a sweet balance that we're called to walk in as a church, and I'm trying my best to, to help lead us in that balance. Uh, it's always been God's will for us to be aware of the enemy. And it's always been God's will for us to not be afraid of him. And this goes back to the Old Testament with the people of Israel. God trained his people for battle so that they could know how to fight against the resistance against Israel. And then you see that same call graduate to the church where God is raising us up to be not only conquerors, but scripture says we're called to be more than conquerors. So I'm going to read Romans 8. It's a, it's a quick verse, verse 37. Paul says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The first word of that verse is no. And the reason why it says no is because apparently you and I aren't the only people who suffer from a defeated mindset at times. Turns out even way back then, people were really accepting defeat and they were intimidated by resistance and, and difficulties in life. And Paul says, no, you're not a defeated person. You might feel it. Yes, you might be going through some tough things, but no. Look in my eyes and hear me say, no, you are not defeated. You are more than a conqueror through him, him being Jesus who loved us. And I love that even on a message about warfare and fighting, it always still comes back to the love of Jesus. It's amazing that even on an aggressive message like this, where we're talking about fighting the enemy, it still always seems to come back to the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus is what compelled Jesus to come to earth because he saw that we were being defeated by sin. He saw that we were being defeated by death. He saw that we were being defeated by hatred. And he said, man, I've got, I've got to do what it takes to eliminate this, this, this enemy against my people. So what he did was he tackled Satan by doing something that 
you wouldn't expect, and that was he died. He sacrificed his life on the cross. He shed his blood as an atonement for all the sin that kept us down as people. And then he died and he rose from the grave, which was great. We celebrate that every day of the world. Obviously celebrates it on Easter Sunday, but we celebrate that every day that he is risen. But on top of that, Not only did he raise from the dead, but he took the same spirit that he had, that same conquering spirit, that same uh, spirit of victory, that same spirit of power and of might, and then he poured it out liberally on the church. And we're going to celebrate that in a couple weeks. Pentecost Sunday is the day that the spirit of God, that same conquering spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, was poured out on all the believers. And it was an amazing point in history that is still being lived out today. And the Holy Spirit is amazing because it contains all the properties of Jesus. The love of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the, the, the wisdom, the goodness, the faithfulness, all of the attributes of Jesus, his victory over the devil, his, his, his power over sin, every attribute of Jesus is contained in his spirit. And when you receive him, you receive all of it. And this is good news. It's confronting news because too much is given, much is required. But it's still good news. The reason the gates of hell can't prevail against the church is because Jesus conquered the gates of hell for the church. He's the one who did it. We're just reaping the benefits. The reason why the church is more than a conqueror is because Jesus conquered all things on the cross for the church. He did all of the hard work. Our victory is zero reflection of our own natural abilities. I know we're great, I know we're talented, I know we're smart in here, but I promise you that the grace on your life has nothing to do with how great you are. It has nothing to do with how great I am. It has everything to do with everything that Jesus accomplished. And he was so kind that he took all of his victory and then poured it on us and gave us uh, all the benefits of his victory. So the victory that we're walking in is because of him. It's because of his spirit. It's not because of us. It's not because of ourselves, which actually brings me to the point of my message today, and that is a word called self. Not only, (laughs) you know where we're going. Not only should should ourselves not be uh, depended on, but it's actually vital for us not to depend on ourselves. I can't stress to you guys as, as victorious as the Holy Spirit is, as able as he is to conquer every mountain in your life, his success, and by his I mean the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's success in your life is directly correlated to your denial of this thing called self. Because as powerful as the Holy Spirit is, if your self is still your strength, it will actually choke the, the, the success of the Spirit in your life. So not only is it best not to depend on your flesh or yourself, it is vital that you don't. And we're going to talk about why it's so important that self is no longer your source of life, your source of strength, your source of ability, your source for anything. Self could also be described as our ego, our passions, our selfish desires, our lust. But the most common thing that scripture uses to describe yourself is the flesh. You'll see in scripture a lot of times it talks about the flesh. And I, wanna, I want us to leave here with a better understanding of, of what this thing is called the flesh. Now the flesh is not totally who you are. It's a part of who you are, but it's not you in its entirety. And let me explain. The flesh is the mischievous, morally weak, pessimistic, faithless part of who you are. That's your flesh. It's not who you are, but it's a part of who you are. And it's that part of you that doesn't believe. It's that part of you that that doesn't want to do the right thing. It's the part of you that feels weak 
It's the part of you that is not in faith. It's prone to defeat all the time. It's prone to rejection all the time. Every single one of us could make you a card and say how much we love you, and your flesh will still say, no, they don't. Your flesh is the part that doesn't matter how much we cake on love, you will say, they don't love me. That's your flesh. Your flesh is prone to pride, and your flesh is prone to death, actual death. I'm not talking about just like dead inside, like dead, dead physically, like death. Your flesh is prone to these things. And again, as powerful as the Holy Spirit is, his success in our lives is actually directly connected to how well we deny this part of who we are. Now, the flesh can be very confusing because as unfortunate of a part of us as as it is, your flesh is not the devil. Hear what I'm saying. Your flesh is not the devil. However, your flesh is the part of you that agrees with the devil. Your flesh isn't the devil, but your flesh is the part of you that agrees with him. And therefore, it cannot be trusted. Your flesh cannot be trusted because your flesh is the part of you that agrees with Satan. Your flesh, when Satan speaks, your flesh says amen. When God speaks, your spirit says amen. When the devil speaks, your flesh says, you got a point, devil. Amen. That's why your flesh cannot be trusted. Now, this is a spoiler alert because I'm a fan of this movie, and if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, but uh, I love The Godfather. It's not, uh, and I don't, whatever, whatever, whatever. Your flesh is to you what Fredo was to the Corleone family. Fredo wasn't the enemy, but he was weak, he was insecure, and therefore a perfect pawn for the enemy's plan. Fredo was not the enemy, but he was insecure, he was weak in his mind, and therefore he was a perfect pawn for the enemy's plan. Your flesh to you is what Fredo was to the Corleones. Your flesh is the weak part of you that is the perfect pawn for everything the enemy wants to do in your life. Your flesh is the Judas of the disciples. Judas wasn't the enemy, but he was weak, he was insecure, and therefore he was a perfect pawn for the enemy's plan. Your flesh is the traitor in your life. He's not the enemy, but he's so weak, so insecure, so prone to negativity that he's a perfect pawn for what Satan wants to do in your life. And therefore, your flesh cannot be trusted. Just like Fredo couldn't be trusted, just like Judas couldn't be trusted, your flesh cannot be trusted. And the thing about traitors is there's, there's just zero tolerance for the enemy in your camp. There's, the enemy is so, that's the thing, that's why traitors are so tragic. Because the enemy is really what we're trying to fight. And you're telling me I got to deal with it in my own camp? The Corleones already had the enemy. And then you're telling me Fredo is... Jesus is like, I'm trying to feed Satan, and you're telling me Judas is, like, we don't, we can't afford traitors in the camp, and the reason why we can't afford traitors in our camp is because all of our energy is needed to fight the actual enemy. I don't have time to fight the enemy in my own camp, because I got to take all of this energy and fight the real enemy. This is why we cannot afford to tolerate traitors in our camp, which in this case is our flesh. I'm telling you, your flesh is the traitor on your team. And there can be zero tolerance. Let me tell you how much tolerance we're actually called to have towards our flesh. Galatians chapter 5, 
verse 24 says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's the amount of mercy that we are scripturally called to have towards this thing called our flesh. It didn't say detention. It didn't say prison. It didn't say time out. It said crucifixion. That's, that's not just, and that's not even death like lethal injection. That's like gruesome, slow death. The flesh if you are in Christ, the expectation, everyone say expectation. If you are in Christ, the expectation is that you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And notice the scripture says your flesh's passions and desires and not your passions and desires. Remember I told you guys the flesh is not you. It's a part of you but it's not totally you. Your flesh has its own agenda for your life. Your flesh has its own preferences. Your flesh has its own passions and its own desires. And if we're not careful, we can confuse our flesh with us. And that's a very unfortunate confusion because one, you're supposed to love, love your neighbor as yourself, and the other one you're supposed to crucify. So if we don't get good at knowing the difference between us the part that we're actually supposed to treasure and love, and the part of us that we're supposed to literally crucify, we're going to be very confused. And we're going to end up treating the thing that we're supposed to crucify as a thing that we're supposed to love, and the thing that we're supposed to love, we start crucifying that, and it just turns into this big mess. Which is why we must know how to distinguish who we are, who God has called us to be, the part of us that we're supposed to love, the essence of who we are, and this, this traitor called our flesh that's supposed to be totally annihilated. Again, one you're supposed to love, the other one you're supposed to crucify. Two very different treatments. So, I love the Bible because whatever question we have, he's got us covered. How do we know when it's our flesh? That's a big question. How do we know when it's us and how do we know when it's our flesh and how do we know that it's a part of us where we're supposed to crucify and say shut up and how much of it's a part of us that we're supposed to say yes and, 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 and nurture and love? If we don't understand the difference, it's going to be a real confusing thing for us and the people who are around us. So the Bible lets us know how to know what the flesh is. Galatians 5 verse 19 through 21 I love this. It's, it's, it explains to you. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So in case you want to know what the works of the flesh are, here's what they are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, another translation says, I warn you, just as also, I also told you in times past. So I'm telling you now, just like I've told y'all before, I've told y'all a few times already, that those who practice such things, the things I just listed, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And yes, this was spoken to a church. This was spoken to people who went to the altar. This was told to people who spoke in tongues and prophesied. He says, I told you once. I've told you if you practice, I don't care what you said you did. If you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Basically, Paul said, I said what I said. <laughs> Paul said, I said what I said. And Paul said, I didn't stutter. <laughs> so I want to make sure, again, I want to I model the same clarity of Paul. Again, because I'm telling you all, the motive of this is I don't want us to be confused. Because, again, I'm telling you, the flesh 
is meant to be crucified and ourselves is meant to be loved. So those are two very extreme treatments that God is telling us to give. And if we don't understand what's the part of us that needs to be just annihilated with no mercy, we, we, we'll get confused. So uh, I just kind of just briefly just explain certain things. Adultery, in short, cheating on your spouse. Fornication, sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness, impure behavior, speech, motives, thoughts. Lewdness, crude, in a sexual way. Jokes, language, general vibes. <laughs> Idolatry, prioritizing anything above God. Anything, not just sinful things. Anything. Even the good things. Honestly, especially the good things. Because the bad things are easy. You're not really deceived by that. We're deceived by the good things that we put before God. Sorcery, witchcraft, manipulation, rebellion, speaking curses, dark arts, magic, hatred, ill will, intentions, not disciplining your children, which scripture says is hating your child. Neglect, contentions, being argumentative, prone to controversy or debates. If that's just your thing, it might be something they need to crucify. Jealousies, when other people's blessings make you feel bad towards yourself and or them. When other people's blessings make you feel bad about yourself or them, you're jealous. Outbursts of wrath, hot-headed, short-tempered. Selfish ambition, dreams and goals that are uh, for selfish motives. Dissensions, disagreements that cause discord or division. Heresies, belief or opinion outside of full biblical doctrine established by the prophets. At, and the apostles. Envy, wanting other people's stuff. Their talents, their families, their lives, their looks, their status, that's envy. Murder, wanting to end someone's life and or following through with making it happen. And I put wanting because scripture says if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Jesus says murder is not just killing somebody. Murder is when you hate your brother or your sister. He says you've already committed murder. And let me add to adultery, Jesus says adultery is not literally having sex with someone that's not your wife or husband. Adultery is looking at them lustfully. He says you've already committed it in your heart. Jesus raised the bar. Sometimes we think Jesus lowered the bar. He actually raised it. Jesus raised the bar. Drunkenness, altering your state of mind to elevate it, joys, numbness, or the ability to cope from an alcoholic substance. Revelries, wild parties induced by alcohol or other intoxicating substances. And then the scripture at the end says, in anything like this. So if I didn't cover that, anything like that. It gave a long list and then said anything like this which means it's actually longer. It's actually longer than what I've said. If you ever are confused and if your flesh is at work, Scripture says this is how you know. This is the product of flesh. When your flesh is active, it produces the list that I just said. And notice I said a whole lot more than sexual immorality and murder. Sometimes in these political climates, we act like there's only two things that God hates. And we magnify two things as if God is only standing against those two things. Meanwhile, you're just as jealous and just as contentious. So notice, guys, there was a lot more listed than sexual immorality and murder. And if the church would start to uphold everything else with the same degree that we uphold murder and sexual morality, the church might actually change. That's just a little sidebar. That's a longer list than two things. God hates way more than just two things. 
The flesh produces more than two things. And all of these things, it says any of those who practice, practice such things, if you practice jealousy, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're not used to thinking that. We think it's just basically don't kill, don't, don't sleep. You know, guys, the list is longer. Don't follow culture, follow the word. Don't follow the majority, follow the word. You will find out it's a different narrative than what you see on social media. Your flesh is the part of you that is capable of all of these things. Your flesh is weak. Your flesh just needs a little bit of encouragement and it's there. Your flesh does not have a lot of resistance towards any of these things, which is why it can't be trusted and which is why it must be crucified. And yes, this month is about fighting forward. We're fighting the gates of hell. We're fighting the plans of the enemy. But it's important for us to know that while we're fighting the enemy, there's a pawn in your camp, and it's called the flesh. And your flesh is the part of you that says, good idea, Satan. And the capability to do these things, and most of you guys can testify to this, if not all of you, the capability doesn't go away just because you're in Christ. I'm just as capable of every sin that I was before I was a Christian as I am now. Because my flesh is still here. The part of me that is willing to do all of those things with enthusiasm is just a part as it was before Jesus. The only difference now is now I have the power of the Spirit to crucify this part of me. We have to understand this. I, I'd be doing you a disservice to paint a picture that when you come out of the water of baptism that your flesh still isn't willing and ready to do everything on that list. Christ gives you his spirit, praise God, but your flesh is the part that wars against the spirit. Galatians 5, Galatians is my chapter today, five, verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. They hate each other. Spirit hates the flesh. Flesh hates the spirit. And the thing about Christianity is we are people of the spirit. So we have to choose the spirit over the flesh. We have to take sides of the spirit. And you can't take sides of the spirit and still like your flesh. That's like taking sides of one group and saying, I'm on your side, but I still like them. Like, no, if you're on our side, you got to hate them. If you take the side of the spirit, you have to take the side of the spirit. I heard someone yesterday say, you know, if you don't like my kids, you don't like me. Husbands, if you don't like my wife, you don't like me. Imagine someone being, I mean, I love you, but your wife is the worst. Like, <laughs> they'd be like, we're done. That's not a compliment. That's not a compliment. So we can't say, Spirit, I love you, but man, the flesh is awesome. It's like, no, we're at war. You can't love me and still be friends with them. Like, that's not how this works. Same with Christians that are always dogging the church. Stop it. If you think Jesus is happy, he feels the exact same way as you would feel if he says, I like you, but your bride sucks. It's like, you are putting yourself in the line of fire. I'm telling you, if I see another Christian, blanket statement, the church, and then negative stuff, especially to the world, it's one thing maybe in a group, to the world, you're blasting this? Fredo. Fredo. Weak insecure, and therefore have you become a perfect pawn for Satan's plans. It's not that you're the devil, but you're weak, you're insecure, and therefore a perfect pawn for Satan's plans. Definition of Fredo.
Stop. Stop. Find another way to see change. So how do you fight against your flesh? You crucify it. You don't investigate it. You don't negotiate with it. You don't even reason with it. You crucify it. It is the agent in your life. In case I've got to make it any more clear, your flesh is the agent in your life that if it has its way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. If that's someone that you're tolerant for, then you two deserve each other. If you're tolerant of the one that you know wants to rob you of the kingdom of God, you've made your choice. I don't agree with the choice, but it's yours nonetheless. It's a free country. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman. I can't stop you. But if you can hear this word and know that your flesh, if, it's, if it has its way, will rob you from inheriting the kingdom of God. So if you don't want your flesh to have its way, which I'm guessing... Sometimes I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that we, we, we don't want the flesh to run our lives. We want the spirit to run our lives. That's why we're here. That's why we're showing up. That's why we're in our Bible. That's why we're praying. If that's what we want, Scripture tells, again, the Bible. <laughs> the Bible is so good. So good. It's, I can't tell you. Oh, it's so good. It tells you how to do everything. It tells you how to do everything. Everything it tells you how to do. This is how you allow the flesh to be defeated. This is how you crucify the flesh. And it's actually going to be probably not what most of y'all think it's going to be. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This set me free about 10 years ago. I was in Colombia, and I, not Colombia. Other country. I was in Australia, a continent. And and God God had to really <laughs> move the earth to save me. Uh, <laughs> had to go to all types of places just to walk in freedom. But praise God, it happened. Um, I was in Australia, and I had a major flesh issue. That's why I can talk about this with full confidence. Because if anybody knows how to be governed by the flesh, it's Alvin Love. I was a very, very fleshly person and pretty much opened the door to every single thing on that list. Um, and I really didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to. And I was just like trying to find all these ways to like conquer this thing called the flesh and just flesh, flesh, flesh. And, you know, oh, I got to beat the flesh. I wake up on Monday. I got to beat the flesh. I got to woke up Tuesday. I got to beat the flesh. And all the, the more I tried to beat the flesh, the more I did things in my flesh. The more I obsessed over conquering the flesh, the more I sinned. And it frustrated me, and it made me discouraged as a person. I thought the grace of God had skipped me. I thought that the word of God didn't apply to me because I sincerely wanted to be a man of the spirit. But I was obsessed about conquering the flesh. And then in Australia, Diane, Pastor Diane, said, said, walk in the spirit. And if the spirit becomes your focus... You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it, it was the same objective, but it changed my method. I wanted to beat the flesh by constantly thinking about beating the flesh. And then I woke up on Monday, and instead of thinking about the flesh, I just thought about the spirit. I just thought about what the kingdom of God was doing. I just thought about what God was doing. And then next thing you know, Five days went by, and there was no acts of the flesh. Two weeks went by, three months went by, all of these things that I couldn't beat, I beat without even thinking about it. And we're in a time in the generation right now where we think the more we discuss, and the more we think, and the more we analyze, and the more we dig into sin, somehow that's going to break into freedom. And we're wondering why nothing's happening. If we can just talk about sin more, if we can just analyze it more, if we can just research sin more, then somehow it's going to break free into freedom and everything's going to work out fine. And we're frustrated because it's not working. 
And the reason why it will never work is because Scripture says it's only when you walk in the Spirit that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Again, the reason why I can speak with so much confidence is because it's in the Bible. And the reason why I love it is because you can just take it up with the Bible. It's kind of a little scapegoat, kind of. Comes in handy at times. Walk in the Spirit. This is how you do it. Three things. You repent. Turn from your ways and turn exclusively to Jesus. Exclusively to Jesus. Like him it. That's it. Jesus only. Turn exclusively to Jesus. That's repentance. You have to turn away from wherever you are doing. Turn exclusively to Jesus. Number two, believe. Choose to believe in the person of Jesus and in the work of Jesus. Repent and then believe in the person of Jesus. And the reason why I say both is because if you don't believe in Jesus, the person, and the work of Jesus, then you'll think that he was a great person, but don't, doesn't, don't really think he conquered your sin. You have to believe in both. You can't just believe in Jesus as the good man, as even the son of God. You've got to believe in the work of what he did. You've got to believe that he actually was the sacrificial lamb that was the atonement for your sins. And because of him and because of what he accomplished on the cross, you're free. See how that's a difference in saying Jesus was a great guy, Jesus is my homeboy? Like you've got to actually believe that not only is he your homeboy, but he saved you from sin on the cross. You've got to believe that you're forgiven. If you don't believe in the work of Jesus, you still don't believe that you're forgiven. If you don't believe in the accomplishment of Jesus, you still are carrying the condemnation of your sin. You cannot not believe in the work of Jesus and still believe that you are accepted and forgiven. If you don't believe in Jesus, you are still taking on the identity of a condemned orphan. Number three, be baptized. By faith, be washed from your past. Let the old be gone and experience the new. That's baptism. The old is passed away. Behold, everything is new from this day forward. And I say this, you have to practice this regularly. I know you got baptized when you were 16, but you have to practice baptism every day. Every day. Jesus says his mercies are new every morning. So every day, yesterday is gone. On Wednesday morning, Tuesday is gone. Everything that happened Tuesday is gone. I'm about Wednesday now. I'm about my future now. That is the key to walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is walking by faith, which is all about what you're hoping for, which means it's what's ahead of you. Some of us are still just a little bit too history obsessed. I'm not saying you don't like it, but ultimately faith is what you're hoping for. And you can't hope for something that's behind you, it's, you got to hope for what's ahead of you. So we must live repentance, which is turning from your ways, turning to Jesus exclusively, belief, believing in the person of Jesus and the accomplishments of Jesus, what he accomplished on the cross, and then three, baptism. Old is gone. We're here. <laughs> We're here today. Behold, everything from this, everything, I mean, imagine, guys, Truly practicing every day, embracing in your heart that everything is new. I mean, just imagine if that was your reality. That can be. We're actually called to that. That's what it is to, to experience baptism. It's the old is gone. I'm in the new. And if you do these three things, yes, there's a lot of scriptures, a lot of sermons. I could probably teach three years about walking in the spirit. So I'm not saying that it's not more details. But honestly, even with all the details, it will always boil down to these three things. Repentance, belief, baptism. I thought about it. I was like, what about this? Nope, it still comes back. Repentance, belief, baptism. Old is gone. If you sinned, Yesterday, walking in the spirit is saying, okay, I did it, but it's gone. I repent. I'm done. It's gone. I'm stepping into something new. So many people have failed. Let's say you fail morally or you fail in your mind or you fail in a relationship or argument with your spouse or you fail in an area with your kids. 
Walking in the spirit is acknowledging that, repenting from it, but going, that's gone. Now from this point on, I got to start better. It's a, I, have a, I have a new start. I have a fresh start. Yeah, I know we had an argument on Monday, but it's Tuesday now. I'm going to do a fresh start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make things right because the future is bright. That's what walking in the spirit does. Yeah, I know that happened, but we're here today, and it's a fresh start. Repentance, belief, baptism. Like I said, I could, there's a lot on walking in the spirit, but I really do think and believe that, that it boils down to those three things. Now, I have a few more minutes, and for me to spend this whole, you know, I dedicate a whole week of this series to talking about this, this traitor, this, this, this Fredo. And I apologize again if you haven't seen it, because now you're going to, like, totally know. <laughs> the movie does a good job of, like, you don't know, but you're going to know. I'm sorry. Uh, um... I can't spend time talking about crucifying the flesh without talking about um, a lost discipline that must return back to our lives as a church, and that is fasting. That is fasting. Very weak clap, but I understand. No, I understand. I understand. No worries. You are a safe place. You're in a safe place. Your flesh is like, dang. Your spirit is like, oh yeah. Told you all they hate each other. They could not be different. Your spirit is so happy right now. Your spirit is at the edge of its seat waiting for this next section. And your flesh is ready to go to the bathroom. Ready to go eat, right, ready to go to lunch. Your flesh is like, come on, Al, it's dinner time. Spirit's like, preach. All right. Um, Jesus, again, he's our example. He fasted. He fasted for 40 days. Jesus did no water or food for 40 days. And for him, it, was, uh, it served as a, as a graduation into the start of his ministry. I actually have a personal testimony of that as well. I, 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 I st- stepped out on faith, had that same reaction that y'all had. I, I, I heard a, a long, for me, a very long fast. It wasn't 40 days, but it was long for me. And, and I, I did it. Um, I was in Bogota, Colombia. I, I went through it and uh, had people pray for me. And it was, I mean, I felt every bit of that time. But, guys, I came out of that. And you could, I mean, they used to, like, give me time to speak here and there. But when I came back from that trip, I promise, I felt like I could preach for every day for a year and not break a sweat. Like there was a, there was a, a, a grace and a passion and an ability that, that did not happen until I went through that. So, so that's why when I see that Jesus 40-day fast is what launched all that, I'm like, I get it. Again, it wasn't 40 days, but for me it was big. Um, so... It was, a, it was a graduation into his ministry, but it was also a demonstration for us. Jesus really, there's this duality to everything that Jesus did. Jesus did it for, for his life and for the calling on his life, but it was also everything he did was a demonstration for us to follow. Um, the flesh is fed primarily by food. Um, scripture actually says that they use this term, uh, their God, they're talking about sinners. It says their God is their stomach. Like food is king for your flesh. That's, that's it. Um, your spirit is fed primarily by the word of God, which is why you always get sleepy when it's time to read the Bible because your flesh is like, oh, stop it. Let's go eat cheeseburgers. By the way, I'm not condemning cheeseburgers. I love cheeseburgers. I had one this week. I love cheeseburgers. But you get my point. It's Fred, the flesh gets, our, gets its strength by this. Spirit gets your, its flesh or its, or its strength by the word of God. Um, this is the purpose of fasting or one of the purposes of fasting. When you fast, it's giving our flesh less and less entitlement over our lives. For some of you guys, your flesh feels very entitled. Like, 
what I, if you interviewed your flesh, some of y'all would be like, your flesh would be like, what I, what I want goes. Like, whatever I want, they do. It's amazing. Like, some of us, if our flesh was interviewed, they'd be like, oh, man, I'm running this show. If I even, if I even halfway want to do something, they do it. It's awesome. And your spirit's like, oh. So when we fast, it, 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 it strips that entitlement. It's a rude awakening to your flesh that you're not the boss. It's like, wait, what? What? So it strips entitlement away from your flesh over your life. When we fast, it gives our flesh less and less influence over our decisions. When we fast, it gives the flesh less strength to antagonize our spirit. Remember, they're at war. So the spirit's always talking smack to the flesh, and the flesh is always antagonizing the spirit, and they're always at it. So when you fast, it takes away some of the bite from the flesh. It gives them a little bit less energy to antagonize your spirit. Flesh is less about starving and more about time to feed your spirit, which is why we say prayer and fasting. They should be accompanied together. You're not just supposed to starve. You're supposed to use this time for your flesh to be weak so your spirit can store up on a bunch of strength that you're going to need for your life. When you fast, Jesus says to do it in a way that doesn't draw a lot of pity and attention to yourself. Don't take a mental health day or off day when you're fasting. Go to work. Well, I'm fasting. I just need to sit around. No, like, go. And because if you look at Isaiah, um, the chapter, it says that fasting it also includes being a blessing to those around you. So when you're fasting, don't call off work that day. Even, <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking I would just read the Bible and just worship all day. That sounds spiritual, but it's not even biblical. When you fast, be in the mix. Wash your face, show up, smile, crack jokes, be nice, take somebody else to lunch. I've actually, I've actually taken people to lunch when I'm on fast. That's a test. Because <laughs> I'm like, I want this to be a normal day. I want to be a blessing. This is not my time to be. Fasting is not a time to be a recluse. Fasting is time to be in the mix. And it's a chance for you to see the spirit be your source of life instead of that egg sandwich. So, so yes, you limit your food while still glorifying God and blessing your community. When we fast, we still glorify. You don't, you don't fast from, I did this one time, I was fasting, I was just in bed all day. I was like, this is not God's word. This is, I should be praising God. I should be at prayer. I should be serving that day. I should, I should be blessing the community during a fast. Otherwise, it's not the fast that, that God is really calling you to do. And Lord, God forbid I stop food in vain. God forbid I do a fast that doesn't count. Like, if I'm going to be hungry, it's going to count. Because I like food way too much to waste it on some self-governed, custom-made idea of what fasting is. I'm going to do this by the book because I want it to count. I'm inviting us to a fast. One day, 24 hours, water fast. Definitely members of the church. If you're a visitor, I mean, it applies to you too, so you can. You don't have to, but no, no one has to, but I'm inviting you to. Wednesday, this Wednesday, from the time you wake up to the time you wake up on Thursday. Um, I confidently know that everybody can do this. There's zero doubt in my mind that every single person can do this. You can do it. Now, your mind will play tricks with you and tell you you're about to die. Your flesh will throw the biggest temper tantrum. Your flesh will say, this is against the will of God. This is what God wants me to prosper and I'm dying. There's no way. There's no way. I'm telling you, your flesh will try. Especially if it's your first time, your flesh is going to give you scripture. Your flesh is going to give you all types of things to get you to not do this. Um, but it, remember, when your flesh is crying, remember 
That's Fredo crying. <laughs> Remember, that's the one who hates your spirit that's crying. And if the person who hates the, my key to the kingdom is crying, that's a good day. I want to make him mad. So, 24 hours. Water. If you absolutely just are convinced that you're about to die, drink some juice, and then get right back. Don't break with ribs. <laughs> drink some juice, and then if it's 7 o'clock, finish. If at, if at 4 p.m. you just got to take some apple juice and then finish. Don't be like, well, I already drink juice. Bring on the whatever. You know, like, bring on the margarita. Like, don't. <laughs> if you feel like you're about to die, which you're not, but if you just are convinced, take some water. I mean, juice. Get back. Otherwise, and this, and this, is, this is my prayer for this, for this time. Remember, guys, we're, we're, we are advancing. All of this is in context to the church is advancing. The church is advancing, and if we're not in the spirit, and if our flesh is, is, is too strong, it will actually, it'll actually uh, um, sabotage your, 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 the experience of the victory that God has for you. That's what the flesh does. It's always just trying to sabotage what the spirit is actually trying to accomplish. And we have two choices, to be tolerant of this sabotaging agent in our lives or not be tolerant. If, you, if you're tolerant of it, then let the flesh do its thing. You might miss out on inheriting the kingdom of God. But if, if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if you are for your spirit and you see that this flesh is actually trying to sabotage your spirit, I invite you. And even if this is your first time, I don't I don't think you've got to warm up to it. Like, who's, where is that in scripture? Well, first timers only need to do breakfast. That's a cool idea. I'm not against it, but it's not in scripture. I think you can do it. Some of y'all have done it on accident. Some of y'all have actually done it on accident. My dad's hilarious. My dad won't eat till like 1 p.m. on a normal day, but if he's fasting at 7.30, he's like, I'm so hungry. Because a lot of it is your brain. A lot of it is your mind. My dad will skip breakfast all the time. Fasting day, whew, like, Dad, it's 8.30. Because a lot of it is mental, guys. A lot of it is mental, just so you know. If it's your first time, half the battle is your mind, which is a lesson in itself. Didn't mean to put you on blast, Dad. <laughs> um, so I asked everyone to participate. Um, I think it'll bless your life. I think we should all do Wednesday. That way we're all in it together. And then Thursday, go in. Breakfast, you know. Do a big breakfast. Do what you got to do. It can actually literally be a breakfast. <laughs> but it's, thanks for that laugh. <laughs> Who gave me that laugh? Oh, thank you. Okay, um, this is my prayer for this fast, is that the Spirit of God will refresh your faith. The Spirit of God, my prayer during that day is that the Spirit of God refreshes your faith in Jesus. My prayer is that the gospel of Jesus Christ will take the rightful position back in your life. The gospel of Jesus Christ my prayer is that through this time, it will take its rightful place back in your life. I also pray that the joy of your salvation would be restored. Like joy in just the mere fact of being saved. I'm not even talking about joy of like a promotion or a joy of finding your spouse or a joy of healing. I'm talking, my prayer is that the simple joy that you are saved would become so full to where someone will be like, what happened? Did you... I'm saved. Okay, did you get saved? No, I got saved 20 years ago, but I'm saved. Like, my, that's the joy of your salvation, that, that people think that something just happened to you, and it's the fact I've been saved for 30 years, but I'm saved. 
That's the joy of your salvation. I'm praying that that's restored. I'm praying that your conviction to a life of repentance would be revived. Some of us aren't convicted anymore towards repentance. It needs to be revived. That conviction to walk in repentance needs to be revived, and fasting is going to do that. And I'm also praying that your vision for your future with God would be sharpened. We've got a game plan for so many things except our walk with God. We've got a game plan for our professional life. We've got a game plan for our kids. We've got a game plan for our career. We've got a game plan for our fitness goals. What about the game plan? What about the vision for my walk with God? God, let's do this. How about, like, I want that vision to be restored. That's my prayer. You can take a screenshot of that. The joy of your salvation would be restored. Your conviction to live a life of repentance would be revived. And your vision for your future with God, I pray that it would be sharpened. I'll be praying for this during your day, our day. And I believe that God's going to do some great things from it. Expect resistance. Don't be surprised if you show up at work and that's donut day. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if someone shows up and goes, lunch is on me at the office, everybody. Like, it will happen to at least two people in this room. It will happen to at least two people in this room. Guaranteed. So expect the resistance so that when it comes, you just laugh. And guys, remember again, it's 24 hours. You can do most things for 24 hours, all right? Some of you, now, some of you guys will want to do more, I promise. Not all of you, but some of you will want to do more. Some of them might do two days. Some might do three. I've seen it happen before. Again, the request is, a, is a 24 hours. So don't feel that you, no one's going to feel that way. You're going to be totally fine with doing 24 hours. <laughs> but just some people might want to do more, and that's okay. Go for it. Um, okay, so let's all stand. Let's all stand. We're going to close. Is everybody Okay. Did this message make sense? Do you think it's going to help you? Okay, great. Great. Um, If you are wanting to receive the spirit of God today so that you're no longer led in circles after circle after circle, if if you're tired of being led by your limitations if you're tired of being led by your weakness the spirit of God wants to be in your life scripture says that he is your strength in the midst of your weakness he's he's power he's he's grace If you're tired of leaning on your own understandings, if you're tired of leaning on your own limitations, if you're ready for a new start, new start, if you're ready to say the old is gone, the old is gone, yesterday's gone, Saturday was gone, Sunday morning's gone, this is a new start, then Jesus is the person for you. He's the only one who is able to give you that fresh start in a real way. He's the only one who can give you power from on high. God's power can be given to you through Jesus Christ and you no longer have to depend on your flesh. No longer does your, does your source have to be that little weak traitor in your life. You can say goodbye to the flesh. You can say I'm done with living in the flesh and my life is now God's spirit. That, that is not uh, a dream scenario. It's actually a reality that comes with Jesus Christ. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I believe if you say this with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, Jesus will become Lord of your life. And he will come with this incredible spirit that gives you the power over the flesh and into an incredible life with God. So repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe 
that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's celebrate Jesus. Let's celebrate a new start, a fresh new start. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us that start. Thank you, Jesus, for your abundant mercy. Thank you for forgiving us for all of our sins, all the works of the flesh. We thank you, Lord, for passing that away and bringing us into a new life in your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that without our flesh being in the way anymore, that we can actually advance in the spirit. We can actually lay aside these weights and these sins that constantly drag our feet, and now we can swiftly run. Thank you, Jesus. So if you said yes to Jesus, let us know by, by sending a text to us, text uh, yes to Jesus to 77411. Please, uh, if you said yes to Jesus and, and you're ready to start a life with God, text yes to Jesus to 77411. We're just going to reply with a, a nice uh, just document of some helpful information to get your start with Jesus going well. Um, and so we would love to hear that from you or get that text from you. If you would like to get more connected to the church, uh, you can text BELONG to the same number. We'll give you some information about the church. We've got our Connect booth. Uh, I would love, the best way I think to get connected to our church is go to Next Steps. Next Steps is our meeting that's in room 104. Right after I dismiss, I'll be in there. I'm leading the one this, uh, this meeting. And it's just a good time to talk about the vision of our church and what we're about. We would love to see you there. Um, if you want prayer, We've got a prayer team, uh, two people that are here to pray for you in person, and we also have a prayer team that prays for all the requests that you submit online. So just go to NashvilleLifeChurch.com, submit your prayer request, and our prayer team will pray for whatever it is that's on your heart that needs prayer. And then lastly, if you would like to give to Nashville Life, thank you in advance. Uh, you can give your check or your cash via um, the finance team that's in the middle on your way out. Thank you again. We got that building fund we're working towards, so thank you in advance. And, uh, yeah, the fast on Wednesday, 24 hours. Water fast. We can do it. Hey, do me a favor. If it's your first time, call somebody in the church and do it with them. Have a little text group. Like, how y'all doing? It's 11 o'clock. Are you alive? I'm still good. Oh, I'm rough. Like, that stuff helps. I've done that all the time. That helps you through. So, like, find a friend or accountability, or if you don't know anybody, Ask someone at the Connect booth, and they'll be happy to be that for you. Um, we would just love to do it with you. So there's no need for you to do it by yourself. We're a church. So, so let's uh, find a friend and do it with them. They'll support you. Uh, let's pray, and I'll be done. Uh, Father, thank you again for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, thank you for victory over sin. Thank you for victory.